Raz. Jacob. Raz. We're in quarantine. We are. We're in lockdown. Quarantine season has hit us right as it is airy season. And I am pumped because it's airy season, but we're in quarantine, so it sucks. Welcome to Nerd Nebula, episode 17. It's been a long time. It has been. Three months and counting as of this recording. It's been a tumultuous time. Ups and downs, stuff happening. Um, there's a global pandemic on, if people aren't aware. And I sure. hope they are. Please stay home and try not to kill us all. With the event of a global pandemic, what a better time to stay indoors and listen to a shitty podcast. What a better time indeed. Scratch that, this is not a shitty podcast. This is the best podcast ever. Please like us. Please? <laughs> all right. A lot of stuff has happened since we last talked about stuff in the nerd zeitgeist as well. Mm. A lot of games have come out, a lot of games are set to come out, and a lot of games yes. we're not sure when they will come out. We'll have to see. Both you and me have got Doom Eternal. And it is very close to my heart right now. I am almost, I'm in the final mission, about to beat the final boss, and it is probably one of the best games I've played so far this year. I've sunk a fair bit of time into it, making sure I'm getting all the collectibles, making sure I'm killing everything I can. It's it's good fun. It is definitely a beast of a game, and I am Absolutely. fully, fully enjoying it. Resident Evil 3 Remake has come out, but since all stores are closed here, uh, I can't really buy it, and I don't want to buy it just off the PlayStation Network because I like to collect my games, as you well know. So I have to wait until the yeah. lockdown is up. And I am yes. the sads. Hopefully, two and a half weeks left of this quarantine. And on April 10th, Final Fantasy VII Remake is definitely coming out. Yes. And I'm really looking forward to that. But like with Resident Evil 3, I have to wait. So I am V-sad. I've had a few friends over in Australia. They released the physical copies early so that people could go and get them. And I had a few friends over in Australia that went and grabbed that as soon as they could. And they are thoroughly enjoying it so far. I'm sure they are, and I am very jealous. Why did you have to tell me that? Mostly just to make you jealous, yeah. yeah. Well, mission successful. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we received some bad news the other day. The Last of Us Part 2 has uh, been delayed indefinitely. We don't know when it's coming out. It could be any time this year. It could be next year, for all we know. The news came from both Sony and Naughty Dog, citing logistics as the main reason for the game yeah, being yeah. pushed back, which I'm guessing is because of the state of the world with the global pandemic going on at the moment. They can't ship the games to uh, the different countries. If they can't physically get the games on shelves, then their profits will hurt a lot so i'm guessing that's the main reason why they yeah yeah pushed the, pushed the just, game back yeah they're just stuck with a very limited distribution network in very limited countries so the best option for them to be able to have a successful release and get the game in front of as many people at once as they can is to unfortunately hold it off indefinitely i hope it's not gonna be longer than this year but we'll have to see. Like it just depends on how uh, how long it takes for um, this virus to go away, and how many countries will still be in quarantine by come say June or July, like which is the halfway point of the year. So yeah, yeah. 
we'll just have to wait and see. Unfortunately, it is out of anyone's hands at the moment. Yeah. Do you think the next-gen consoles will be pushed back? I have a feeling they might be, because no one will be able to get into the factories to mass produce these new consoles to be able to put them in the boxes to be able to put them on the shelves i have a feeling it will be delayed slightly depending on how the major countries respond to the pandemic over the coming months and yeah i feel like with the response that america has had lately or so far rather that'd be one of the biggest uh, markets for the ps5 and the xbox the new xbox and i don't know how well they're gonna recover from this even financially i don't think yeah it will be released on time yeah because um that's just my speculation though i, I could yeah, be entirely yeah. wrong and i hope i am sony did give out a um press release saying well it was more of a tweet uh saying that the ps5 will actually release on the date it meant to but a lot can happen between now and then absolutely which, I hope that it does release on the day it's meant to be coming out because I'm definitely going to be getting it day one. I'm not going to do it like the PS4 and wait like I'm just going to get it in six months and then six months turned into a year and then a year turned into two and then two turned into three and then I finally got it. Maybe The Last of Us Part 2 is going to turn into a PS5 exclusive. Who knows? That would be interesting. That would mean that Naughty Dog would have to do like a bit of a graphical upgrade to the game for, for it to justify as a PS5 launch title. But like we said, we'll just have to wait and see. Absolutely. And now let's get into the main topic of conversation for this episode. Since the world is in a bad shape right now, let's talk about the past. Let's talk about much happier days. And let's talk about the top 10 best games of the last decade. I'm, I'm here for it. This is how we're going to do it, Jacob, right? We, right. we We both will go through our top 10. So I'll go with top 10, your number 10. Then I'm going to say my number 9, your number 9, and so on and so forth. And oh, we'll going for a bit of back and forth. Going for a bit of back and forth. I should have made that a bit more clear, but we got there in the end. <laughs> I'm going to start with my number 10. Go for it. Hit me. Mass Effect 2. Oh. It came out in January 2010, so it does count. I absolutely fucking loved this game when it came out. Like, I was so-and-so on the first Mass Effect, but Mass Effect 2 improved on the game in every conceivable way. Gameplay, characters, story. It was just the perfect package that I always wanted in a fucking video game. And it delivered on every single thing. Even had a great ending and set up the events for Mass Effect 3, which we won't go into because I hate that game. (laughs) (laughs) But as a standalone, Mass Effect 2 is one of the greatest games ever made. Absolutely. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right, now that you're done, mm-hmm. here's my number 10. I don't know if you know this one, but it's a game called Firewatch. So this is oh. a small indie game that you play someone watching a national park during a long period of isolation yeah. over a couple of seasons and with nothing but yourself and looking after this section of the national park and nothing but a voice on the radio to comfort you. It is 
a thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable game. Not one with a great amount of replayability, I found. I tried to go back to it a couple of years later, but unfortunately I knew where everything was and I knew exactly what to do and I sort of blitzed through it in a couple of hours and then was like, ah, okay now on board but playing through that the first time just hunkering down it's one of those ones that you can finish over like a weekend or maybe a week very enjoyable game i have heard of it i just never played i think i watched like maybe the first hour on youtube but it definitely looked very interesting i should it looks great as well and it it feels natural like it's it's a great wee game all right it sounds good i'm gonna go into my Number nine, and I would like to tell uh, the people listening, the games that we're mentioning may not be the greatest games made within that decade, but they're the top ten for us. Let's go into my number nine. This is a game that you're very familiar with, Jacob. The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. I am very familiar with that game. Oh, am I somewhat. It was the game that redefined the RPG for the new decade. Absolutely. It took, while I do think Oblivion is a bit better than Skyrim, from a gameplay point of view, Skyrim took everything that Oblivion did good and made it great. Yeah. Gameplay in Skyrim is fucking amazing. The way that you can customize your character to be any class you want. You're not bogged down by a simple skill tree. You can put points into anything that you want to do. If you want to be a dual-wielding stuff magic user, fucking go for it. If you want to be a fucking berserker with a sword and axe, be my fucking guest. You can literally be anything that you want within a fantasy setting, and I think that is just amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. For number nine for me, one you may not have expected, Mm. Bioshock Infinite. All right, all right. I I found this game, so I played this on, shit, it would have been, yeah, it would have been PS4. I played this on the PS4 at one of my old flats. Shout out to Cohen. Thanks for working night shift so I could play all your PS4 (laughs) games. It was a fantastic story for a prequel. It didn't give too much of the other games away even though I hadn't played the other two. It didn't make you feel stupid for not playing the other games. And the gameplay was incredibly smooth for its time. Recently, with the uh, PS Plus bundle, they gave the Bioshock collection, and it's making me play Bioshock Infinite first, and I am still having just as much fun with that game as I did the first time around. Nice, nice. I was thinking of putting Bioshock Infinite on the list. I would put it as an unofficial, maybe number 11, but I just, the other games I had, I just enjoyed a lot more than Bioshock Infinite, even though it's still an, an amazing game. Understandable. Funnily enough, Skyrim was in my list and got bumped out by a couple of other games. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward to hearing what they are, but we'll go to my number eight. And this is a game which you might not know, and I don't think you would expect to find it on my list, but my number eight is Persona 5. I know of that game and have heard nothing but fantastic things, but I have not played it myself yet. I can explain it, but you have to play it to fully understand it. The best way I can describe it is it's half a dungeon crawler RPG and half a high school simulator. There are certain people in the world which can tap into the collective unconscious of like the world so like the zeitgeist and in this other dimension people's personalities and thoughts create these beings known as personas and they fight evil manifestations of other people's thoughts right and this is where the high school simulator comes into effect to level up your abilities and your personas you gotta make friends with other characters 
gotta spend time with them, gotta go to the arcade with them, play games, go to school, learn, study for tests, and all these things make your character like level up, and all these abilities will help you when you go into the other world and fight the evil manifestations. It's such a weird mix of gameplays, because you can spend hours upon hours not fighting and just like exploring Tokyo, interacting with characters, or even just actually studying for tests. And it's really fun. I've never encountered a game like this before. It's so much fun. Yeah, it, it honestly sounds like a very unique mix that only a JRPG could pull off. A couple of days ago, an updated version of it, Persona 5 Royal, came out for the PS4, which adds uh, two new characters and another school trimester. It expands upon the story and it fixes some like areas of the game which bogged it down. So pretty much it creates a whole new game that's much better than the original release. Which you the have my attention. Which the original release was already a almost 10 out of 10 for me. Interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. And here's a game that I love and constantly has updates. And you can't really call them DLC. They're mods that uh, you're probably guessing what I'm talking about already. Minecraft. Ooh. Minecraft comes in at my number eight. Hours and hours of fun, and every new group of mods that you put into it gives it a whole new lease of life, makes it an entirely new game, pretty much. I used to play a bit of Minecraft back in the day, and a lot of people that I know are now getting back into it, which makes me think I should probably get back into it as well. Absolutely. It is a very, very fun game. We used to host giant servers with all the boys and we'd all hop on and make our bases, have our fun. It was always such a good time. Seeing other people's creative side come out in such an accessible way is probably what I enjoyed the most about that game. Sounds good. Sounds really good. Going to my number seven now a lot of people will probably stop listening to this once i say what my number seven is and why it's so low on the scale but <laughs> number Please tell seven me it's not a hentai simulator <laughs> uh close no no it's um <laughs> number seven the last of us oh i did like the last of us i really did but <sighs> While the story was really good, I feel like it kind of dragged on in some places. The gameplay wasn't anything revolutionary. I think it was a bit overhyped because of the reputation of um, Naughty Dog. While I still think it's a great game, one of the best of the last decade because it's on this list, it's only at number seven. Fair enough, fair enough. My number seven, funnily enough, is one that you've already talked about. Oh. Mass Effect 2, best in the series, hands down. For me, it's one of those games that reinvigorated my love for sci-fi storytelling. I seem to have gone down a route of, at the time when I played this, I was very, very focused on my uh, fantasy games and yeah. like true crime sort of things, uh, as opposed to anything sci-fi related. Playing this was a breath of fresh air. I then played the first one after playing the second one. But I had seen one of my good friends playing through the first one a lot during high school. I knew most of the story and all the lore and stuff like that. We used to nerd out about it. But this was uh, a very special game to me. It reinvigorated my love for, for sci-fi in general, not just in games as well. Nice. We definitely have um, that in common. I fucking love that game too. 
going to number six. This is another game that you're familiar with. Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, yes, yes. While I still haven't finished it. God and damn it, I think even though I haven't finished it, I still got my money's worth for what I played so far. But why number six? It's also the reason why I haven't finished it yet. It's too big and it's too expansive and I get overwhelmed by it. There are a few things that bogged the game down for me, like there's too many unnecessary mechanics, horseshoe health and all that, like just small things that if they were taken out, they could have made the experience a lot better. Like I know they were going for full realism, but I'm playing a fucking video game. <laughs> I don't They were want... going for closer to the San Andreas experience than the uh, Vice City experience, I guess, or than yeah. the um, Red Dead Redemption 1. So that they yeah. wanted it to be very involved. I, I have to disagree with you that bogged the game down. Sure, there was certain parts of the story that felt bogged down, but I don't think it was the mechanics that did that. I think it was the story writing, but that's that's me personally. Still an amazing game and the sixth best game of the last decade, in my personal opinion. Unfortunately, it didn't even make my list. I Ooh. loved that game, but I don't think I could go back and play it again. And I, that is why it did not make my list. All the other games that I have put in my list, bar Firewatch, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. have replayability because that's right. thing. That's fully you know understandable. What? Yeah. Do you know what is at my number six though i'm sure you will tell me well that's why we're here <laughs> for number six for me is civilization six. Ooh! i absolutely love everything about this game everything about this game the latest update that they released the uh rising storm or gathering storm sorry gathering storm is probably one of the most fun updates i've had to a game it completely changed the city management side and it introduced a very very fun player race the moldy you start as a like fishing boat and you can settle wherever you want and you instantly get the ability to travel across water which makes maps water-based maps it makes them yours from the get-go so it was very very fun very easy to navigate the graphics and the gameplay are great the ai is very fun to play against and just everything about that game is so much fun i've sunk many hours into that game sounds good sounds good number five on my list this is a game which you may or may not have played but number five is uncharted 4 a thief's end This is the only one in the series that I haven't played, but it's about to come out on PS Plus, so I'm thinking I might have. I love the Uncharted series. Like, I love it Mm. so fucking much. But there's something special about Uncharted 4. While the other three games are amazing in their own right, there was something really um, juvenile about the writing at some points. It definitely felt like an like an always action, tongue-in-cheek kind of... Felt like an Indiana Jones movie. Exactly, exactly. But with this one, because they knew this was going to be the last main entry in the series, they wanted to make it special. And all the characters are a bit older because a bit of time has passed since um, the end of Uncharted 3 and you can tell the first few levels of this game take it really slow like it takes you through Nate's day-to-day life because he's now married he's uh, settled down the second level you think that you're looking for a long lost treasure or something because you're scuba diving but you're actually picking up garbage from a river because you're part of this um, recovery company so it puts you into like a sense of jarring normalcy 
with Nate. Like, sure, he's had his, like, adventures, but he's now settled down and he's trying to cope with that. And then the whole thing of his long-lost brother coming back into the fold in a very natural way. Like, it didn't feel forced. Yeah. Throughout the whole story, it's every character going... Like, why are you still trying to recapture your old glory? Aren't you happy now? Like, isn't this what you always wanted? And by the end, it culminates in the best ending possible. Like, I'm not going to say what it is, because I want you to say it, but it's it's such a fitting end to the series. It leaves stuff open for other spinoffs to happen, like we've seen with Uncharted The Lost Legacy. But the main story is 100% done. This is the end of the story of Nathan Drake. And it's just amazing. Interesting. I'm very much uh, looking forward to seeing this. Playing this, rather. Yeah. Next up on my list, my number five, Wolfenstein a new order oh yes and this is another game that was on my list but unfortunately it got bumped out i could not leave this game off my list this game absolutely revolutionized the well not maybe not revolutionized but brought life back to the revitalized that's that's more the word i'm looking for there yeah it revitalized the insane action shoot 'em up genre while still keeping the intellectual property from past generations of gaming and bringing it back to life. I felt like it was one of those games that was sort of like the benchmark. As soon as that came out, every other remake or reboot of a game series had to at least match that game. And that's why I had to put it on my list. That and the soundtrack to it is just fucking amazing because it's Mick Gordon and Mick Gordon is great. And he got Frederick Thornendahl from one of the greatest bands alive, Meshuggah. You got him to come in and do some stuff, and it worked out insanely well. And you get to kill Nazis, and who doesn't like killing Nazis? Exactly. I do agree. It's a fantastic game, and I've played through it a bunch of times. But like I said, unfortunately, a few other games I've liked a bit more. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Going into my number four, God of War 2018. Ooh, Yes. I didn't think I wanted Kratos to beat up Odin, but I want to see that now. <laughs> Once God of War 3 ended and like the Greek pantheon was dead, I was like, well, that's the end of the world, right? There's no way they can come back from this. But no, like apparently that was just Greece and Kratos is alive and in the Norselands. What I like about this, it's definitely a sequel to God of War 3, but it's also a reboot of the series you can go into playing this without having prior knowledge to any of the god of wars but and that's exactly what you needed for that mm. game because there was such a distance yeah. between god of war 3 and this you needed to be able to come to it with no knowledge or with a little bit of knowledge or with all the knowledge of the previous games absolutely but for those who have played the series there's a few sprinkles here and there about kratos's past and answers a few questions about what happened after the end of god of war 3 it doesn't answer everything and the answers are a bit vague but it does give closure for people wondering what happened after the end of god of war 3 yeah the game looks stunning like the budget for this game was just fucking obscene obviously <laughs> absolutely but the gameplay the story the voice acting everything just shined 
the only thing that keeps it on number four is that once you finish it, like you said, there's not much replayability. You can go on like higher difficulties, but it's still the same thing. I can't just finish the game and want to start it right back up again. Quite a bit of time needs to pass for me to want to pick it up again. For that first run through, for the story, for such an amazing experience that it gave me, this is definitely my number four. Interesting. And that not being able to replay it straight away, but still wanting to. Needing a little bit of time in between is exactly what has brought my number four into its spot. The Spider-Man reboot. Oh, right. Yeah. The absolute sheer amount of detail that they put into the world building and the characters as well. They're all pretty truthful. I like that. Um, While they're still their own characters and they belong in this universe for this game, not a poor imitation of any one universe or like any one version i guess and it's just like the combat flowed so well it was dynamic everything was fun everything about that game was fun except the fucking time trials god i hate them that's with the taskmaster right if i if i I remember correctly yeah i i hated those with a fucking passion with my first playthrough, I'm pretty sure that was the only thing that I did not complete 100% other than the just like random street crimes. But now that I'm going through and doing it again, because I'm playing it again, because I want to play through all the DLC and everything. Yeah, I'm having to do it all because the completionist in me is not taking no for an answer, apparently. But yeah, that is that is a, a great, great game. Everything about that game is super fun. It's lighthearted, but it's heavy enough that you walk away from it feeling a little bit depleted at times. But yeah, as I said, it's also lighthearted enough that you're just genuinely having fun throughout the game. Going into my number three, Bloodborne. Oh. There's no secret that I love the Dark Souls series. I love the gameplay. I love the setting. I loved a very vague story. But then came Bloodborne. And just something clicked. I'm a big fan of like Lovecraftian-esque Victorian era stories and or just like settings. And Bloodborne delivered just that. And I like that it's different from the Dark Souls series where it encourages you to be aggressive. The more aggressive you are, the more rewards you get. It's just something about being terrified of walking in another area, but also really excited that you get to fight some stronger enemies. The thrill of fighting someone new and learning all the attack patterns, getting the right timing done. It's an amazing experience. I've honestly played this game more times than I can fucking count. I have not completed that game. I got through the first couple of levels and then got distracted by other things and then just have not gone back to it. I feel like I need to devote a little bit of time to it and actually really properly give it a good go because I very much enjoy what I played, but maybe I just wasn't uh, prepared for it when I I tried to sit down and play it. (laughs) Yeah. As for me, my number three, one of the best side-scrollers in recent years one of the best uses of physics in these style of games fantastic world building the creature design the customization and the overall world building that you can do world building literally because you can do whatever the fuck you want (laughs) terraria oh okay okay yeah terraria has made my number three i've played a bit of it and i did like what i played i'm i'm sitting at 
couple of hundred hours now. It is a <laughs> thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable game. Whether you're playing it by yourself or with other people, it's just as fun. The bosses are a lot harder when you're playing by yourself, but are still a lot of them are still pretty doable. Some of them are damn near impossible by yourself, but it's still fun. Even when you're dying constantly and losing everything you've worked for, it still feels fun. And I just like being able to build crazy giant castles and coat them in obsidian and just do <laughs> random dumb shit like that and just have fun. I just like having fun with that game and no matter what you do, there's just something for you. No matter what you want to get into in that game, there is something for you. If that's not a great ad for the game, I don't know what fuck it is. <laughs> Going into my number two, and it's a game that you've already mentioned, Spider-Man, um, uh-huh. Spider-Man PS4. I was wondering I, if this would come up for you. I love this game. It's the only game on PS4 which I got the Platinum trophy for and got all the trophies for all the dlc i've completed it on every single fucking difficulty i've completed it on ultimate um difficulty even though that was a fucking bitch to do i uh, love swinging through the city like i don't even want to do missions i just want to swing i just want to go through the city it's the only game even more so than the batman arkham series it's the only superhero game that actually makes you feel like the character like the uh, combat and motion is so fluid it's so acrobatic it actually feels like you're spider-man because they got um, actual writers from marvel who wrote spider-man it does feel like a genuine spider-man story set in an alternate universe of Marvel. It's genuine Spider-Man with genuine heart-wrenching moments, especially at the end. It's, oh, yeah. Like, it's up there in terms of quality with the Spider-Man Marvel movies. It's just amazing. <laughs> the amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> Get funny. <laughs> all the different costumes that you can unlock, all the different references... Yeah, And the fact that they actually supported the game so many months and still support it with adding new costumes and actually listened to fan requests. Like, fans requested the um, Raimi uh, Spider-Man costume for so long. And then as a Christmas gift, not this Christmas, the Christmas before a lot, they just go like, hey, guess what? We put the uh, suit inside the uh, game for you. I love the community surrounding it and the fact that the devs actually do listen and they're adding little bits in just as a treat for everyone that uh, really enjoyed the game. It's such an amazing game. And it's the um, highest selling PS4 game of all time. Yeah, yeah. The record was broken by God of War in 2018 and then Spider-Man broke that record again. Absolutely insane. Insane amount of sales for that game. So fucking good. Absolutely. I'm glad you had it that high on your list, because I know how much you enjoyed that. So much. <laughs> and one game that you will not be surprised is this high on my list. Doom 2016. Oh. One of the better... It's pretty close to a hack and slash, but there's actual skill involved. The fact that you have to balance your ammo and your melee attacks and your pistol and all your gun upgrades to be able to actually kill all the demons that you come across... 
and if you want to get right down to it on the higher difficulties you need to know the meta very very well and conserve different kinds of ammo for different kinds of demons but it's also one of those games where you can pick it up for 20 minutes make a little bit of progress and then go back to to your day unfortunately you're going to leave a lot more stressed than when you sat down it's not a fucking easy game it's not a calming game which my number one game is very very soothing Doom 2016 is about the opposite of that. Me and my old flatmate used to sit down and play, and we would walk away, and our knuckles would be white. We were that tense after playing it. But we loved every second of it. And it's another one that got bumped off the list. I guess I'm not the biggest... Like, I do like first-person shooters, but I guess I like action-adventure more, as the majority of the the games on my list are action-adventure. Yeah, I'm noticing that. And now we've reached number one. We have. This is a game which I'm pretty sure you will not be surprised that it's my number one game of the last decade. It's a game that I've raved about so many times, had an obsession with it. I would have to stop playing the game because I would be so tired, not be able to sleep because I was excited to get back up and start playing it some more. Yep. The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, I love this game so much. It made me want to go back and play the other two games. It made me want to track down all the books and read them. I wanted to get so much of the lore. I wanted to know every single thing possible. A month and a half going for the full game and the two expansions. I went to every single question mark on the map to unlock everything. Even the ones on fucking Skellige where you have to take a fucking boat out in the middle of the ocean and go to every single question mark. Did pretty much every single quest. I probably missed like five or six like very small quests like find a horse or find a plan that I couldn't find. But I tried to find every single thing to do in that game. And that yes. is a massive game yeah. to, to try. Yeah, it's, yeah, like I said, I was literally obsessed for like a month and a half. Understandable. It's an f- absolutely fantastic game. The only reason I didn't have that in my list is because I still have not finished that game in one save. I have tried maybe two or three times, and each time have come into some form of computer issue that has rendered it unplayable. And then had to start again, which has disheartened me a little. But I recently bought it on the PS4 store, and I'm going to be going through and playing that. Probably start it while we're on this uh, quarantine lockdown, just to get a good chunk of it out of the way. It is my number one game of the last decade, and my second favorite game of all time. Just slightly behind Final Fantasy IX. I haven't been lost in a game world this much since Final Fantasy IX. Fair. I completely understand that. Do you know what my number one is? Well, you said it was something calming, so... uh, You already know what it is, don't you? Stardew Valley? Yeah. Fucking love that game, man. Everything about that game. And I think the fact that it was made entirely by one person is the thing that drew me to that game and to keep playing that game. Yeah, that is and I don't have I don't have insane. a ridiculous amount of hours. I don't have hundreds and hundreds of hours in that game, but I have enjoyed every single second that I've been playing that. It's a great game to play with friends or by yourself. Either way, you walk out of or you 
stand up from playing that game and you are content you have made progress and it's a nice wee wholesome game what is not to love about that sure you can go down and kill things in the mine you can go fishing you can go and grow some crops like i seem to gravitate towards every single save all i do is grow shit i don't go down in the mines i don't go fishing i hate the fishing mechanic but that's just because i suck at it that is entirely the reason but yeah that is why it's my number one i just love it that is a great choice. Thank you. And, it was a very uh, hard choice. I do remember you saying you had a lot of trouble um, with your top 10. and um, I did. I can see why. That's a very varied list. Yeah, it definitely sort of encompasses all the different styles of games that I enjoy, which is not ruling anything out, pretty much. <laughs> to name a few more other games that um, didn't quite make the cut, Civilization Five. I had to toss up between Civ 5 and 6, but I think 6 won out for me. There was also Bastion. That was a great oh, game. Great game. Great game. I'm sure there were a few more. Grand Theft Auto 5. Yeah, uh, another really fun game. I just didn't think it was as good as 4, even though the mechanics were better. I thought the story was much, much weaker, and that was one of the big selling points of 4. It was such an yeah. intimate, character-driven story. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. But Not to say yeah. that the story from 5 was bad, it just wasn't no, no, no. near as good as 4. Yeah, and I definitely enjoyed all the characters. It didn't have the same magic. No, absolutely. And now for a bit of fun, let's just uh, name our top three worst games of the last decade, if we can actually think of them. <laughs> I have mine. I'm not I, sure have, I have mine here. Okay. You can take it away then, sir. Coming in at probably one of if not the worst flops for gaming history, I guess, would be Anthem. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely up there. It was just unplayable to the point where I refused to purchase that game. No, I don't refuse to purchase it. I refuse to pay more than, say, $8 for it. So as soon as it's down on sale for less than $8, yeah, I'll pick it up. And then I will laugh at it, and then I will never play it again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's true that's true shall we do the back and forth or this one as well or should we just yeah, do the three it's back and forth it. okay my number three worst one is um call of juarez the cartel you take a good series like call of juarez which had its own identity as a western shooter with a pretty good story and pretty good characters and you take everything that was good about it you put it in a modern setting and make it about the cartels in the 21st century with unlikable characters and a color palette that's either gravel gray or black. A game that just makes you feel bad while playing it. It's so bad that when Techland bought the rights for the Call of Juarez series from uh, Ubisoft, they made the cartel abandonware, not available for sale anywhere. If you try to pirate it, the crack for it is from an older version, so you can't even play it if you fucking pirate it. No! It's that bad. Time just wants you to fucking forget this game even fucking exists. Oh, wow. So, speaking of Time wanting to forget something, here's one that we both will agree on. Oh, yeah? Time probably should have forgotten. It'd be interesting to see what they can do with it in time, but for now, I refuse to do anything with it. Fallout 76. 
I still remember the fucking rants I used to go on on in the earlier episodes of the show. Yeah, yeah. I still have nightmares about them. <laughs> it's the game that single-handedly ruined Bethesda's reputation. It is the game that made everyone see Bethesda for what they actually are. And in a way, I am thankful for the game. It showed Bethesda for the uh, money-hungry corporate that they actually are. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do with some more updates and a bit more time and stuff. But for now, it's looking pretty naff. It's the opposite of everything that a Fallout game should be. And the fact that they just took the Fallout 4 engine and said it was a whole new engine. And they just said, no, it's actually just Fallout 4, but uh, a lot more shit. Yeah. Speaking of um, being money hungry, my number two for worst Game of the Decade, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Oh, this almost made my list. The game on release was unplayable. It was yeah. unplayable because if you didn't want to pay to win, you couldn't play because all the other players who did pay to win would annihilate you within literal seconds of you getting into yep. the game. You would spend more time in the fucking lobby than in the game playing it because of the pay to win mechanics. Yep. It was so bad, this is one of the reasons why the government had to get involved with the practice of loot boxes to show that it's actual gambling. Yep. This game was pretty much gambling for kids. Now it's playable because the pay-to-win mechanic have been removed. There are still loot boxes, but you buy them with in-game currency, and it's all cosmetic. But it's two years too late. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... <laughs> Uh, in the complete opposite, I guess, and just showing that natural decline of a series, this was a game that was only saved by one of the DLC. Oh. We may have already mentioned it a wee bit earlier. This is hands down one of the worst endings to a trilogy, oh. only saved by a light-hearted DLC. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you know I'm talking about Mass Effect 3. Every time I hear Mass Effect 3, part of me dies. Yeah, it had some really fun mechanics, but there was nowhere near enough to save it from being a terrible game. Terrible end to the series and terrible death of all the lore. Because you can't even call Andromeda part of the same series. Sure, no. it's set in the same universe, it uses some of the same technology, but all the lore is different. They tried to reboot the series because it's set in a completely different galaxy. Yeah. Which makes you wonder if the Reapers were such a threat and it was so easy to get to a different galaxy, why didn't the rest of humanity just leave? Yep. It just raises too many questions. Yep. It's like, okay, sure, this happened between 2 and 3. Like, Andromeda happens between Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3. And apparently it's quite easy to get to a different galaxy. Why didn't you just end up and leave if the Reapers would cause so much damage and widespread destruction? Let them have the Milky Way. Fuck it. Go somewhere yeah. else. Apparently it's quite easy. I, I don't have the answers for you because that game ruined everything about trying to find the answers in that series. Going to my number one worst game of last decade... A game that I took as a personal insult. Go on. Aliens Colonial Marines. Mm. I've never seen such a big slap in the face. Not even from Fallout 76. The E3 trailer for that game was a complete lie. There was a fully scripted, not even actual gameplay. It was 
just animation of a squad of marines fighting off a horde of aliens. The game got released, and not only did it have a massive graphical downgrade, like the game almost looked like a PS2 game, also featured broken AI. Like, the aliens would be in the same room with you, you would be right in front of their face, and they'd just be wandering around trying to find you. This was revealed years later to be due to an error in the coding of the AI. Like one semicolon was off and that threw off the entire AI of the aliens. Like no one checked this before like they released the fucking game. No one checked that the enemy AI wasn't fucking retarded. You think that's the first thing you'd test for? Everything about the game was a lie. It was so bad it threatened to ruin Gearbox. And they were only saved because uh, Borderlands, the pre-sequel, got released the same year. Absolutely. I did not even look at that game. It just looked abysmal. And all the reviews that were coming out, I wanted nothing to do with it. Which is unfortunate because I've always wanted a really, really good Alien game. Fortunately, we got that with Alien Isolation years and years later. Mm. But um, yeah, for that time... For 2013, that game was just the lowest point in gaming and the lowest point in gaming, in my opinion, for the whole fucking decade. Far out. Rough. All right. I feel like we have come to a bit of a natural conclusion for this episode. Yes, we have reached the end. We have reached the end of this episode. Episode 17. Episode 17. It's an interesting number. I feel like some changes are coming. Soon. I, I, I can feel some change on the wind. I mm. feel like this baby that we have nurtured through the first baby in, uh, episodes and the infantile growth stage of this podcast is coming to fruition and it feels like it's about to become an adult. Some things will be different by next episode. Maybe we'll have a different outlook on life. Maybe a different, a different view. A we'll different see. style. Yeah. But until that fateful day arrives, as always, Jacob, I will say adieu. And as always, I will say hail Satan. But before we wrap everything up, I just want to say, please stay home, stay safe, look after yourselves during this global pandemic that is reshaping life as we know it, kind of. Yes, please be safe and stay healthy. Goodbye. Goodbye.